Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of From the Tips. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-host, Rick Landis. How are we doing, good buddy? Have you survived working outdoors in these conditions? Yeah, I actually, actually lucked out like hardcore last week. I was just doing some small uh, pointing jobs and uh, everything was in the shade. I just had big trees everywhere. It was awesome. Oh, thank God. Uh, so it wasn't quite as hot as it could have been. The end of the week last week on Friday was very hot because we didn't have any shade on Friday. But uh, seeing as the beginning and the middle of the week, I was fine. It was all right. I sucked it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not too bad. You get used to it. Somehow I'm managing to wear pants through the whole situation because I can't wear shorts to work. Yeah, that blows my mind. Don't really know how I'm managing that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's happening. We're doing we're doing it. Well, especially with how hairy your legs are, you don't want concrete getting on that. Yeah, and then exactly. Like, and then like solidifying and then you get home yep. and you got to tear off your leg hair, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a rough, a rough go. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, things will be changing soon. So I have I have the utmost respect for you and those that are working outside right now, uh, especially in the uh, Northeast where we haven't gotten rain in about two weeks. Oh my God. We um, need it. We got a little bit today, but like, that's not enough. All the grass is dying. Uh, I just played Middletown country club. Um, for those of you outside the Philadelphia area who know where that is just played that on. Um, what was that? That was Saturday. Played that on Saturday. The tea boxes were sand traps. And that's not even an exaggeration. There was almost not a blade of grass on every tee box. My, my backyard is just brown right now. Dude. And that sucks because you're, you know, a new homeowner. You want I your know. grass to look nice. I, I, no rain. I was filling up my pool the other day because it was so hot last week. That water just evaporated out of my pool. So like, <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> so I had it. I had it filled up like. To the point where it can still like go through the filter system and everything. Right. And I went outside and I was just like checking on it and it was just below the filter. It was, it dropped like four inches. So on Sunday I had to fill my pool up and I had the hose just chilling in the pool. I was just hanging out in the pool. While I was filling up. And then I looked out of the pool and I was like, my grass is just so brown right now. So I just took the hose out and I just started spraying the grass <laughs> while I was in the pool. Probably looked like the biggest idiot of all time, but I was like, this grass needs something. Like it needs some, yeah. some water or something. Honestly, if I if I saw that, my first instinct would be like, "What the hell is that guy doing?" And then my second instinct would be like, "You want to know what? He's killing two birds one stone. He's filling his pool back up, and he's watering his grass." You know, I was and that my tan on. Like I was doing, I was doing what I got to do. But like, man, it's it was high last week. Um, I was in the pool for like the second time since we've lived here because that's just how busy we've been doing. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Um. And it was nice. I want to do it again. Don't really know when I'm going to get a chance to. because Just to be able to hang out in the pool. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're busy every day. So you should get one of those uh, the one of those floating desks uh, so you can podcast from the pool. That would be pretty cool. I mean, we have a we have a surfboard float right now that we stole from Gina's parents. Oh, that's good. uh, 
I had some trouble getting onto that the other day, so I don't know if bringing electronics in, <laughs> into the pool is a great idea. <laughs> also, your computer's on its last leg of life. I feel like one drop of water would be the death knoll for that, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> Definitely would be, and then there would just be a whole bunch of issues. Well, while Rick looks for days of the week where he can enjoy himself in his pool, also, why don't you let people know what holidays to be in your pool for coming up? Yeah, I mean, if you have a pool, probably tomorrow is not a great day because the 26th is National Bagel Fest Day. So you probably have tickets to Bagel Fest. You're probably on your way there right now while you're listening to this, if not As already should there. be. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe the next day. I don't know. We'll, we, I don't even know what's going on the next day. I haven't gotten to that point yet. But it's, Actually, uh, I should have seen this coming because tomorrow at work, um we have this uh little committee uh we're like a combination of three different companies we have this little committee called the sunshine committee uh where they you know put events together for everybody to meet each other or whatever just you know, stuff like that and tomorrow morning is bagel fest that's amazing i'm so excited national bagel fest day i'm so excited i, I, I love bagels, bagels. i love bagels bagels are delicious However, I probably should take back on the uh, cream cheese a little bit. I feel like I'm going to clog my own arteries with the amount of cream cheese I put on bagels. So let me ask you this, since we're <laughs> okay. on the topic. Of cheese? Got it. No. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of involved. So this is probably the weirdest fact about me that I don't even think Gina knows this. Oh, boy. So when, I, when we talk about it, it's going to come up. People are going to know a lot of stuff about me. But I'm going to ask you first, what's your favorite bagel-related snack or meal a bagel related snack or meal um if we're going snack bagel thins like when they're real crispy like put them in the um uh, in the uh toaster toasters is the one in, in the toaster um they're great because they're just very crispy very crunchy it doesn't really feel heavy in your stomach which is nice and also i like to put like fancier cream cheeses on the bagel thins i like the cream cheese to carry that one. Oh yeah uh if we're going meal i would i would love like just a like a small bagel joints like everything bagel bacon egg and cheese not like a sizzly a wawa or one of the like that that has its role don't get me wrong that serves a purpose but just a a classic hometown bagel joint um bacon egg and cheese on bagels are the best it's so no doubt about it so good um, so the, the first one I'm going to say is a snack, which a lot of people actually know, cause I, I'm very vocal about how delicious this is. Uh, any kind of bagel really is good for this, but I, I would say just probably a plain bagel is, is the way to go. Uh, but just a bagel with some cream cheese, some everything bagel seasoning. Oh yeah. I don't know if you ever had that. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's that good stuff. That's the and then, right there. and then some bread and butter pickles or dill, whatever you want. So it's like, oh, a, like a sandwich almost. So you yes. put the bagel, the cream cheese, the seasoning, the pickle, and then the top of the bagel. It's just a little bagel snack kind of deal. Ooh. Um, that's pretty good. I don't know that's why like it's good. It's a cheat code. I don't know why it's good, but the pickles and the bagel just go together. Well, there's there's like dill cream cheese. Like you, you would think it wouldn't take long for people to figure out the whole pickle cream cheese um, scenario. Yeah, so I don't know why, <laughs> but it's delicious. So give that a shot. The other one, um, I haven't done this in a while. And you'll you'll realize why when I explain it to you. <laughs> uh, Is it a heart attack on on a bagel? It's just just a bagel. So we're we're talking a, a bacon, egg, and cheese. 
right on a bagel nothing right. special okay. except for also you put a chocolate fudge pop tart on it and for some reason the the cheese and the pop tart just <laughs> just make make sweet love in my mouth rick and it rick. just it goes well rick. <laughs> rick hold on okay first first of what should be many questions but i'm going to try and limit it uh the first question right yes. how old were you when you came up with whatever this is if you thought about it for a second you could probably guess it was when my football coaches told me i needed to gain weight so was that middle school or high school ball high school okay so about high school right mm-hmm. and and then and then and then follow up question <laughs> when when did that idea make sense in your brain when were you like you want to know what i'm eating these separately both delicious exactly that's where it came from just because separately they were you just put it together well so the one time i was eating a a bacon egg and cheese bagel sandwich and while i still had some of the bagel sandwich in my mouth i was like i really want to bite a pop tart right now so i took a bite of the pop tart and then it was just all going on at once and i was like that's actually really good is this the scene from ratatouille what <laughs> like one of the beginning scenes where he mixes like a like a like a strawberry and a piece of cheese he found and it's like the that that dancing swirls scene is that what was going are you a chef are you remy for like to experiment with things that's how i came up with the pickles on a bagel you know the thing is is like for those of you like myself who are kind of judging rick a little bit remember <laughs> remember every good food you've ever eaten was because somebody thought this is good by itself. This is good by itself. Let's find out what happens when you put it together. You think exactly. bacon, egg, and cheese just appeared? No. Yeah. Someone was someone just killed a pig and just started eating it while it was still dying. And then they pulled right. an egg out yeah. of a chicken's butt, of course, and started eating that as right as would. it came out. And they were like, you know what? I'm gonna just cook these because it's probably healthier for me. Right. And then I'm going to eat them together. And I think they got a, like, a, I think they got, they got a bit farther towards even tastier uh, items when they took the egg out of the shell. Cause mm-hmm. you know, originally they did not know that. Yeah. They were They're like, like oh, this, this white thing. Maybe I should try good. to eat it. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got to assume whatever just came out of this chicken's butt <laughs> looks absolutely scrumptious and i'm gonna need some of it in my life right I gotta now assume that whatever just came out of his chicken's butt is probably edible there's probably nothing wrong with it i'm just gonna run it under some water real quick and then we'll be good to go instead of waiting to eat the next chicken that yesterday's dinner popped out yesterday why don't we just cut out the wait time and eat it already in the egg you know what i'm saying it, you, you, you're gathering it. So, yeah. So for those of you at home in your car doing whatever, judging Rick, remember every good chef has combined foods that nobody ever thought should be combined. And honestly, I also believe that's how we got beef Wellington. Also, for those of those people that know me personally or even slightly uh, know my eating habits as far as what I'm willing to eat. Uh, so they, they most likely aren't shocked by this. It's more of just like, a, oh, I never thought of that being something that would be done by a human being. Rick, it's because uh, nobody but, ever thought of that. No, yes, nobody, nobody ever formed that connection in their brain. 
it has been done. Anybody who's seen the cheese video from college is not shocked by what, what was just said. They're not shocked by it. It's it's just uh, they're they they were driving down the street and then they heard that and they were like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That sounds pretty plausible for Rick. And then they just kept driving, they went on with their day, nothing changed. Dude, um, I some people some, are probably appalled at this point in time, but sometimes when okay. I'm down or like I'm having a bad day or whatever, I'll you know, some 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 gentlemen, you know, look at you know, they they play video games or they drink or they look at photos of their girlfriend or their wife to make them. Have, I, 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 I lean heavily on the cheese video. I, a lot, a lot of my happiness is dependent on that video. The, the cheese. I'm not going to explain. I feel like we should just leave the mystery. It, it's the cheese video. It is what it is. It's just known as the cheese video. For if those you ever of you, see uh, Brian and you want to know what the cheese video is, just ask. I'll, I'll show and then you'll know. <laughs> I have it on deck at all times. I know exactly where it is. I know how to find it. It's uh, it's a, it's a joy. It really is. Um, you know. And speaking of things that would make a man happy, much like a bacon, egg, and cheese with a chocolate pop tart, or, <laughs> or it uh, sounds weirder. When somebody else says it, because <laughs> it is weird, Rick. Let's just. Let's it just doesn't sound. Point. It doesn't sound as normal when it's not coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Rick, it doesn't look normal when it's going into your mouth, buddy. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's. I mean, even a toaster strudel would have made a little, like a bit more sense, but you just went right for the chocolate pop breakfast pastries. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're. Right. I can't argue with that logic. The man makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, but uh, <laughs> what else makes me happy is when Tony Finau gets a win and that it's his third in his career, which, you know, sounds weird considering how well known he is, uh, across the tour, but yeah, only three career wins, but let's not forget his 10 runner up career finishes. Um, absolute insanity really. Um, but he finally gets it done again after winning the 2021 Northern Trust last year. He wins the 2022 3M Open at a TPC course, and those are pretty pretty well known for being some of the harder courses that aren't major courses there. Um, not without his struggles, though, because uh, on Sunday, he entered his last round in third place, but five shots behind the leader. Um, and then when the leader birdie number two and number six to get five shots clear of the field, Finau pretty much seemed destined for another close one. Is what it is. Get your money. It's top ten. Good for you. However, Tony Finau was due for somebody else to blow up, who wasn't him. He True. was due for it, and boy did it happen in absolutely astonishing fashion. I got to be honest, the leader. Uh, his name, not not a, like a super well-known guy either, but a Scott Piercy hasn't won on tour. Uh, he looked dominant, especially on Saturday. On Saturday, I think, yeah, he shot a, a 64 on Saturday, but that's on the heels of a 65-64 leading into Saturday. So going into Sunday, 65-64-66 with a commanding lead. Yeah. On Sunday, shoots a 76 to drop all the way to T4. A five over uh, ends up what? Where did where did it go wrong? Um, making bogeys at eight, nine, eleven, and thirteen, and just a full implosion on fourteen with a triple 
if he just shot par, he would have won still. It's a win. But in the span of uh, eight to 14, in the span of six holes, he was seven over par. Seven in four holes. That's insane. That's 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 my kind of numbers. I yeah, me me too. <laughs> yes. I uh, like not a TPC course though. So and he had two birdies through seven holes. And then just an absolute implosion. It, it you do have to feel for Scott Piercy, even though we all love when Tony wins and it's a good time for pretty much everybody on the PGA tour and those who follow. You gotta feel bad because that's just that's just something that is arguably depressing. Yeah. So I don't, with, I don't even know if you can say arguably because it just is. Yeah. I mean like the fact that the fact that a professional golfer, someone who has their tour card, could go out and shoot even par, which is something they do about as frequently as you can do anything. Yep. And you just couldn't do it on one day. Now I get it. It's a TPC course that, you know, Twin Cities is really known for a lot of water. There was water all over the place and he Sure didn't help himself with some of the shots that he was facing. Uh, but I think Tony put it best uh, after the round. He said, I was never near the lead. I was near the top of the leaderboard, but I was never within four or five shots. All of a sudden, I was I was the one leading the golf tournament. I think he goes into the, uh, you know, Tony goes in the back nine and is like, I pretty much have, you know, no shot here. I know he's coming off of two tougher holes, but so be it. You know, I think he's going to be able to turn around and then just pure implosion happens and tony all of a sudden is leading and he gets to the 18th tee box with a four shot lead on the second place uh guy which i believe was grillo now no, uh, some him and emmanuel grillo were uh the two that were t2 there but i mean could you even fathom in your head basically having no shot of winning the tournament you're you're, you're in the top 10 it's a good week you're playing he, for money at that point yeah, you're just playing for the playing spot for at that money. point. You're playing for some FedEx points, and you're playing for money, right? And then you get to the back nine, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're, like, going up to, like, 12 or 13. You're in the lead. By now, two strokes. Out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely tough, and I think it just makes the win even more impressive because to be able to shift your mindset from I'm fighting for a better spot on the leaderboard at this point, I'm just trying to make some money, to shifting your entire focus on keeping that lead that you now have and winning the tournament in a span of a few holes, it takes an incredible amount of mental strength and mental ability to be able to make that switch. And then to effectively be able to change your whole, your whole um, process and plan for the round, because the rest of that round, I'm sure he was probably like, he was planning on taking some risks. Like he was, he was going to try to climb up the leaderboard a little bit. Cause if you're, if you're floating around the the 10 to 20, like the difference in, in the money that you're making is, is there, but like at that point, you're not really worried about it. Right. Um, so you're willing to take a few more risks, try to maybe jump up into the top 10. And then you just out of nowhere, have a two stroke lead. Now you have to be like, Oh, okay. Guess I can't really take, too many risks now i have to play it a little bit more safe obviously you're probably going to take some risks because you don't want to lose the lead that you now have but to be able to to be able to tell yourself halfway through your round like oh okay now i have to play a whole different style of golf than i've been playing up to this point because now i have a lead is it's impressive um the northern trust not a tournament to sneeze at 3m open has been better 
whether you want to blame that on uh, live golf, whether you want to blame that on the fact that we just had the open, like uh, whatever you want to blame it on, it's usually a little bit better of a tournament than it was this week, but a win's a win on the PGA tour. It doesn't matter. It's true. What week it is. And it puts them solidly in the top 15 in FedEx cup points, pretty much eyeing down definitely a FedEx cup playoff berth, um, no matter where he ends up landing on that one. But um, it definitely helps getting that win. Cause that's a full 500 FedEx points. You know, that's a, that's a whole, no matter what tournament it is, not only did you get winning earnings, but you also got 500 FedEx cup points, which is huge when it comes down the stretch uh, here late in the summer. Uh, but also I'm glad you brought up the point of like changing your mental strategy for when you all of a sudden have a lead out of nowhere, uh, because it looked like that strategy change ended up helping him shoot better uh, because after the first nine, he was one under on the day, right? Mm-hmm. Not a bet. Not bad. You had two birdies uh, in the first four holes, but then you bogeyed nine, not great going into the back. But then we look at the, uh, uh, I mean, obviously a small sample size, but then you look at the back. Birdies 11, birdies 14, 15, and 16 for four birdies on the back. He does end up bogeying 18 because he hits his tee shot into the water, as many Mm. people did on that 18th hole. That thing is an absolute mammoth to avoid that water. But in the last nine on Sunday, shooting three under, it's not like it's out of the ordinary, like plenty of guys have done it. But when you put yourself in a position to at least be competing in the top five mm-hmm. on Sunday, this really goes to show literally anything can happen. Cause the guy who had a stranglehold on the lead for basically three days. Yeah. Plus five on Sunday. Yeah. And I guess that mental switch uh, either whether Tony did it or if he didn't, and he decided to keep playing his game, uh, because it was working clearly it worked better on the back nine when he finally got that lead. So I want to ask you, do you think that Tony is now comfortable with a lead? Now I'm not saying is he comfortable with like a 54 hole lead going into Sunday? Cause nobody is, but would you say now, cause looking back at all the times he's finished in second, it always looked like if he was in the lead, he never felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. But watching him on the back nine on Sunday, he looked comfortable with, I mean, it's obviously it's four shot lead. Yeah. A, a professional can be comfortable with a four shot lead. Yeah. But he looked comfortable, which is kind of different from what we've seen from Tony Finau, at, especially the last three years or so. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, uh, and Tony Finau is probably like the lowest tier guy, I would say this is accurate for, but you got to think about these guys coming up as, Uh, amateur golfers and even like collegiate or high school like it's kind of like when you're playing high school baseball basketball football whatever and you play against a kid who just absolutely dominates you and you're like all right this kid's probably going to go to the nfl nba mlb whatever like you can tell from a young age and that's how a lot of these golfers are growing up like a lot of them are good as they're growing up and they're dominating tournaments that they're winning at younger ages and then that's why they're playing at uh, top tier college schools. Um, so they are kind of comfortable with a lead because their whole life they've been dominating these kids that thought they were good, but actually weren't. Uh, so I, like I said, I would think Tony Finau is probably the lower tier of this, but like to some extent he's, he's been in that position before where there's been a bunch of golfers that haven't been as good as him, which this tournament, obviously there wasn't anyone who was as good as him. Um, so I think there is, a little bit of something that comes with that. 
And when you have someone like uh, Pierce who hasn't won on tour, uh, probably didn't have quite as easy of a road as some of the guys on the top of the PGA tour have had, as far as being a really good golfer and being far and away better than other people. It is easier for guys like Tony to hold on to a lead than I, than I think it is for other guys. And I think the fact that Tony has won now three times definitely does give him a little bit more of comfortability in that position. But at the same time, you have to be comfortable with that 54 hole lead. You can't always be fighting from behind because if this is any major championship, is if this is any of the FedEx Cup playoffs where he's going to be going up against Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, Roy McIlroy, you're not coming back. You're not making nine shots up on those guys. No. It's just not happening. Like, none of those guys are going to blow up and, and be up five going into the day and then lose to you by four strokes. That's nine strokes that there's there's a difference of none of the guys in the top 10 are going to allow that to happen so he does have to get into a position earlier i think and then at the same time be comfortable in that 54 hole lead which i think is where he might struggle a little bit being that he has always been the stereotypical number two guy right and you know, that's just kind of how his career has been, unfortunately, up to this point. But, you know, looking a little bit deeper into this, the underlying stats here from this tournament, he was dominant in every single portion of the game. And what you brought up there, and I think what exactly separates him from these guys, at least in the top five of the FedEx Cup points, right? What separates him the most is how average to arguably below average his putting is. Um, he was 42nd strokes gain putting this week uh, so far on the season. If I can get the number here. Yes, yeah, so far on the season, he has consistently been putting below average. Um, and it, it's it's not even like he's putting below average in in just majors. It's a it's across, you know, the the, the Phoenix Open, the Farmers Insurance, the Century, Hewlett, the CJ Cup. The Mexico Open, RBC Canadian Open, Travelers Championship. The, like those aren't majors. Those aren't really, I wouldn't call them the most difficult courses on tour, the most difficult greens on tour. Yeah. And he's finding it hard to really get that consistent putting, which I think arguably it can be a, a you know, a reason why he's always had that second place uh finish kind of. Yeah, uh, I mean, Medal of Honor type of deal, but <clears throat> I mean, you look at the guys at the top right now, they're all like that putting as of late anyway, like not necessarily all the time, but even a guy like like Rory, who like is well known for being one of the best drivers, if not the best drivers of the golf ball in the world, uh, who putting isn't necessarily his weak part, his weak point of his game, because he's obviously very good at that as well, but it's the weakest point of his game. And then you compare that to somebody like Scotty Scheffler or Cam Smith who are putting lights out right now. Like there's still a clear difference between Rory and Scotty Scheffler, which shows that putting is very important because Scotty and Cam Smith are also very good drivers of the golf ball. They're no Rory, but the fact that they make it up in their putting just shows how important it is. And the fact that Tony is not that great of a putter, which I think comes up every time he gets second place to be completely yep. honest with you. If, I, if yep. I'm remembering correctly, every time he gets second place, it's always, his putting this week was just not quite good enough. Everything else was great. And then his putting is like one fiftieth ranking, like <laughs> which, which goes to show uh, all you amateurs out there. Uh, putting's hard for everybody. 
it putting is just hard. You know, it's some and, have I mean, or have it, some don't. But it's also a week in, week out basis for a lot of these professionals. Yeah, I mean, the thing too is like you got to think about it, like how important putting is to the game. Like, there's two clubs they're pretty much always going to touch every single round. You're going to touch your driver and you're going to touch your putter. Yep, you're going to touch your putter every single time. Even if Every you play hole. like a par three course, you're still you're still touching your butter and you're not touching your driver. It's the most consistently used club that you're going to use. And if you're not top tier at it, it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of putting, though, can always be acquitted to the work that has been done by the caddy in the green reading. Uh, yeah. So that, you know, we are to think, that point. Yeah. Playing around think, the green with the wedges and, and whatnot. Right. You're chipping your wedges to six inches every time your putting is going to be better. But in general, you got to be able to hit the 10 foot, fo- the 10 foot putts. Yeah. And you know, that, that kind of what is what's set, especially what right now I think is separating the top five and the FedEx cup points mm-hmm. to the guys that are in the top 20, top 25. I think that's the main separating point is how yeah. good the top putters are. Yeah. Um, which it, it's ridiculous to even kind of fathom their numbers, but uh, but when we get closer to the FedEx Cup playoffs, we'll definitely break that down because I think especially when it comes I, – I mean, Patrick Cantlay last year proved it. We, we we literally witnessed it with our eyes at the BMW Championship. His putting was just so far and beyond better than everybody else that was out there. It was, it was almost ridiculous. But uh, that's just something that is always going to be a differing factor when it comes to um, – championship winning golf and guys who end up winning. I mean, if you think that tiger did all that winning just by driving the ball far and being accurate with his irons, well, he did that, but also he, uh, he was very accurate with his irons. Yes, he was. Um, and you know, that's is also his putting. Like there's a reason that people, you know, covet the tiger Woods Scotty Cameron putter because everybody thinks that are you eating a block of cheese? <laughs> Rick, are you, are you I'm hungry. And it's that- quiet so I can do it while you're talking and then no one will know. But now they're going to know because you said something. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't need to tell you. judgment. I'm hungry, okay? <laughs> I got to tell you, I think it's a solid thing to wear a podcast. People can't see us. <laughs> I, think, I think it's – actually, people are probably going to want to see you now. I, for those of you that have seen Rick in the past, like I've seen his – Instagram, seeing his face on the Instagram that we have. Rick's got a new haircut. And when I tell you Rick's got a new haircut, I mean, he's basically a stud now. Um, I I actually, I just, I just was talking to Gina. We're working on investing in, a, you know, a really solid baseball bat for her to be able to wield to uh, beat off the women that are going to be uh, coming around. Um, so, you know, we're, we're thinking Louisville Slugger really keep it like hometown classic, but I, I think there's some some metal what's bats. The, that what's can do the some metal damage. one? What was that? What's the metal one that's really good? Oh, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. There's, a, there's an Easton. You could probably get DeMarini. You could get, uh, you know, um, always good to go with a uh, the Louisville BB, Sluggers, the metal one. Well, the BB cores are no longer allowed, actually. Uh, they, you know, they were almost decapitating children. So, because they're too effective. Because they're way too effective. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's I don't know who thought of the idea. I understand at the time they thought it was like, oh, the bat won't break because it's more solid and has a sturdier core. Also, the exit velocity for a 12 year old is going to be 100 miles an hour. So, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> You got 60 base pass. We should have the XMLB. 
where they only use BB Corvettes. Oh my god, somebody's gonna die. I can only imagine the exit velos on a major league player using a BB Corvette. That's gonna be nuts. Um, however, we're not a baseball podcast, folks. Uh, but we are a cheese podcast. Though. We are a cheese. We're a heavy. We're a cheese and mayonnaise podcast, and I stand by that. Okay. And I think doesn't Hellman's make cheese? Oh, I feel like it's I got, cheesy, um, cheesy kind of company. I got Happy Farms right now. Oh, that's the Aldi brand. They got good cheeses. The, they got some good mozzarella cheese. I'll tell you what. Oh, is that a mozzarella block? Oh yeah. I'm more of a Cooper Sharp block man myself. Big Mozzie guy. Well, I mean, I know I know you love Mozzie. I I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Other than that, that's pretty much um, all she wrote for the 3M Open recap. I'm surprised that we were able to recap um, as much as we did. I didn't even re- I didn't even think that I remembered that much. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But I did sit down and pretty much watch all of Sunday. So that was fun. Oh, that's good. But, I didn't yeah. really watch much. Yeah, I was able to watch most of Sunday, which was great. Um, what's nice is uh, Mrs. Murray really likes watching golf when she's got downtime. So, like, in there the house – you know, I pretty much stay at the Murray's on weekends. So in the house, it's usually golf that's going to be on the TV if golf's going on. Um, so that's a, that's a huge plus for Brian right there. Um, but in other golf news, because we got some other things happening um, before we get into the upcoming Rocket Mortgage Classic, uh, I'm going to start first off. This is kind of like a small bit of news, but it is news. Uh, if we recall, when Tiger was done playing the Open, he said this might be his last time playing the open. Now, most of it is due to him walking. That kind of course was fairly difficult. Um, you know, just it, it, a lot of rolling Hills. It is Scotland. Uh, that's, it's kind of like the masters where you kind of saw him struggling physically. However, uh, this was on the Sunday. This is on Sunday. Uh, there were some pictures of him in Spain teeing it up uh his family's out there on uh, vacation and um that was following the open he's staying out there so the fact that we're seeing him golfing right now and not going into full-blown like rehab for you know what is ailing him is a really good sign um so tiger watch seems to be on the up and up um however he was asked you know after the open and stuff like that um you know his caddy joe lacava was on the dan patrick show uh, he said, quote, I'm hoping that he'll play maybe in December at the hero and the father's son, uh, and then maybe the Genesis. Um, he's hoping to play three or four tournaments before the 2023 Masters, a schedule that includes the Players' Championship to help gear up for the major season. Um, he also said, quote, I won't do much. I'll do the same thing. I'll say, Tiger, hey, listen, if you're starting to feel better in October, November, maybe I'll come down for a couple of weeks. We'll hang out. Don't have to play every day. We don't have to practice every day. I'll be there and maybe give you a bit of motivation. We'll do some playing practice here and there and get ready for the hero and get ready for the following year of 23. So it kind of seems like he's really gearing up for the 2023 season, which is a good sign because, you know, we're about halfway through 2022. He knows that he's not really competing this season as everybody kind of knows, but just, you know, Tiger watch is back on. He's back to playing more regular golf, but it seems like he's doing it on his own terms, which I think is the best for his body right now. Yeah, I don't think much can be expected because we have to remember that it was literally a year and a half ago. He almost lost a leg. So the fact that he even showed up to these majors this year, uh, well, three of the four majors this year, uh, that was big enough. So as it is, 
I don't see him ever. And he already said that he was probably never going to play a full schedule again. He doesn't have to, cause he's tiger woods. The PGA tour is going to let him play whenever he wants to. Like he could, he could play one tournament a year and the PGA tour would be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah. Just because of who he is basically. Yeah. And I think that's basically what he's going to do. Like if he decides he wants to play in a tournament, he's just going to go to the PGA tour and be like, Hey, I want to play in a tournament. And they're not going to say no, because tiger turns heads, tiger gets people's attention and that's all they want. So even if they have like a Monday qualifier and then Tuesday tiger is like, Hey, I want to play. They'll just, whoever, whoever barely made it in the tournament, they're probably just going to be boot them. Yep. Sucks to for say. sure. Tiger Woods wants to play in this tournament. We need that right now, especially with everything going off, uh, going on across the pond. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it was just his tournaments that he was going to be playing the ones that he likes the most, the Genesis, the hero, um, all of the majors if possible. And then, um, the PNC is that the father son one? The father son one's the PNC, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if it was just like those tournament, like those seven tournaments were the only ones he played all year, and nobody would have an issue with that. No, I don't think anyone would have an issue with Tiger playing one tournament, maybe even two in a season. To be honest, uh, nothing is stopping him from just being like, yeah, I'm just gonna play play as much competitive golf. Oh, did I lose you? We lost you. Am I back? No. Your picture is still gone. Oh, yeah. So I turned that off because sometimes my computer gets a little weird after a while with the camera being on. Gotcha. Okay, uh, and yeah, I it could, was really choppy before that. It's yeah. better now, it sounds like. And I could sense that happening. So I turned my camera off. Sounds and, better. Uh, hopefully we cut it out. But either way, uh, he's going to he's going to be a fire competitor, whether he's basically got, you know, half a leg hanging off his body, basically. Yeah. So, um, but Tiger Watch is back on. We're back in the thick of it, which is a great thing for the game. Um, always good. So in other golf news, we do have a name attached to the Live Golf Tour. Not one that any of us thought we would end up seeing attached to the Live Golf Tour. Uh, TNT basketball panelist Charles Barkley has been apparently talking back and forth with the Live Golf Tour and Greg Norman as he is playing in the Pro-Am that's going to be at the uh, New Jersey stop this coming week. Um it, uh, uh, he's playing the Pro-Am and apparently might sign on with Live Golf. Uh, however, he does say that he is not going to be giving TNT the runaround if he doesn't have an offer in his hand this week after the uh, Pro-Am and after he leaves the Live event, he will not be going over. So okay, it's kind of in the hands of Greg Norman and the folks there at Live Golf, oh, though. So he would be going as a golfer? No, I believe he's going as an analyst. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah, that that's where that's where I was confused because the way you just said about the pro am and everything, it made it sound almost like they were going to bring him on as a golfer, which makes no sense to me. Makes no sense at all. No, I don't think they would bring him on as a golfer because, uh, well, his there's just no chance that he would ever be a factor. Yeah, with the amount of pros. <laughs> um, this has been actually talked about a lot because, believe it or not, uh, this this information came out. Shortly after our previous episode, so we did not get a chance to talk about it. Um, but it's been talked about in the past few days, at least, right? Uh, about how this is going to affect basketball as well as golf. Oh yeah, which, which is interesting because I don't think anybody, when live became a thing, thought, "Huh, there's a chance this will affect other professional sports." And now there's a chance it will because there's no shot TNT is going to let Charles Barkley stay on. 
if he does decide to sign with Liv. Right. Charles Barkley is a huge public figure at this point. Everybody loves Charles Barkley because of who he is as like a, a character. Like his character is just is, is fun. Uh, everybody likes him. He's, he's pretty hard to hate. Um, and I've heard he does really good on, on the TNT broadcast for basketball. I don't know. Cause I, I don't watch basketball cause I'm, right. I'm normal, um, <laughs> but I've heard he does really good. Uh, and losing someone like that, I think is definitely going to be huge because there are people who probably were drawn to the TNT broadcast because of Charles Barkley. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially us in Philadelphia. I mean, those who are Sixers fans and whatnot uh, love Charles Barkley because of his time playing here in Philadelphia when he was still a player. But it's really insane. And I'm glad you brought that up, how now the Live Golf Tour has the ability to impact other sports and how they're watched and viewed. And again, remember, we just saw Faraday go over. Mm hmm. And now we got Charles Barkley maybe going over as an, as a panelist. So you're going to have both of them maybe on a panel on something that isn't even yet attached to a television network. And I don't like uh, for those of you that don't really know, like how TV network stuff happens, all that kind of stuff. TV networks never bite on anything until there's viable there's viable reason to bite. Like, for example, like those of Charles Barkley being an announcer. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But like, for example, like things like the premier lacrosse league, that's, that's like looked at as, you know, the, the best, you know, lacrosse that you could watch like outdoor playing wise and stuff like that. And then you have the indoor lacrosse national lacrosse league. Those don't get nationally televised because as much as those have been leagues and sports that have been played for years now, the national coverage television networks don't consider it viable as a product yet. And now you're looking at what is pretty much a viable product uh, yeah. with Faraday going over. And now maybe Charles Barkley, you have a very interesting panel of characters and that's two people, you know, like that's not even making up for who else might be going over. Like I'm hearing Eamon Lynch attached to the live golf tour right now. I've heard that, which is um. nuts. Not to mention all of the golfers that have gone over so far. Yeah. I mean, top tier golfers, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. Uh, I guess you can throw Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed in that conversation. Like all these guys either were relevant at some point in the recent past, I guess you would say, um, or were relevant at the time of leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just having an impossible time. And I think impossible is definitely the word. I'm having an impossible time wrapping my head around why these guys are leaving if it's not the money. It has to be money, right? Like, they're obviously never going to come out and say it's for the money because it's most likely in their contract um, that they have to say as much good as they possibly can. I mean, the term sports washing has has been brought up a billion times at this point, and we're not going to get into that because um, we don't need to. You That's probably whole, heard about it a million times thing, already. Yeah. Um, but like, if not for the money, why? And then the thing that intrigues me even more about that is Charles Barkley is loaded. How much more money do you need? You know what I mean? So like, if Charles Barkley were to, to decide to go over, does that enhance the relevant factor of this tour? Because, I mean, Faraday has money. All the golfers that already went over have money. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. They're all, they're all major winners. They all have money. Um, 
does Charles Barkley going over kind of make that question even harder to answer? Because he probably, he has more money than all those guys combined probably. Oh, for Um, sure. So is, is that kind of, if Charles Barkley were to go over, is that kind of a sign that, that things are going even more aggressively South for the PGA tour than we thought originally? Uh, most definitely. And something the PGA tour should probably start looking into is the whole guaranteed money idea. Uh, Cause clearly it is enticing to a lot of golfers and big players in the golf world and even big players outside of the golf world, enough money can make anybody do anything. And you know, that's, I feel like everybody knows that, but I mean, this is Charles Barkley. He is a basketball player and a basketball analyst who we do know as a golfer and sometimes for his hilarity on a golf course. The only golfing um, broadcasting he's done is the matches, the Capital One matches, and that's it. And that's not even like he was just hired by Capital One to do these broadcasts. He wasn't even hired by the tour, you know? Um, So obviously it's money and i still find it interesting that not one contract its years and its amounts have ever been announced they're high like what you get in other sports when it's like this is well, DJ's, so DJ's so was announced as three years wasn't it yeah so dj's was announced for three years but i i couldn't find what he, what the money was yeah they gave like a, a range giving ranges like isn't isn't you know helping us kind of determine how much the rest of the league is making and all the people who are associated with it so that's something that we're obviously going to be keeping track of moving forward because this is really starting to get interesting not only impacting other sports but also having other sports analysts coming over to do things which honestly is genius greg norman is a fully bona fide genius i'm i'm convinced the man knows how to run a business so effectively um, but I mean, you put a shark on golf clothes and they're super popular. So genius, genius. Um, but anyways, here's what, uh, here's what's going on back over on the PGA tour front, right? Uh, we do have a tournament coming up this week, the rocket mortgage classic Rick. I got a top five for you. Are you ready to guess it? I guess so. All righty. In no specific order. Here we go. Will Zalatoris. Max Homa, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, and Cameron Young. Go Will Zalatoris five. No. Um, is it Cantlay five? Nope. Darn it! Is he's he's one right? Cantlay. He is yes. Patrick okay. Cantlay. I, I I thought I would try to switch it up on you there. Yeah. Um, there you go. So we got Cam. We got uh, Cantlay at one. Let's go um, Zalatoris at two? Yes. Is Finau three? He is. Okay. And then Come on, you're so close. Cam Young. And who was the other one? Max Homa. Max Homa. Uh, Homa four, Cam Young five. Correct. All right. That was a, that was a good showing out here. How <laughs> a lot better it? than last week. <laughs> Have a day. Huh? All righty. Let's see why Rob has put this top five together. Number five, Cameron Young. What a season and what a player with four seconds and a pair of thirds. The rookie is 13th in FedEx Cup points. Also second in strokes gained off the tee and fourth in putting par breakers. Uh, Cam Young is having quite the season. I mean, let's let's not even, you know, beat around the bush there. He's having one hell of a rookie year. Um, and, it, you know, 13th in FedEx Cup points. That's absolutely massive. Um, you know, he's pretty much solidifying himself that I am going to be in FedEx Cup 
contention. And if he can just get a win down the stretch here, he's going to probably be in the top 10. Yeah. At least that's my guess. Um, number four, Max Homa missed the cut at St. Andrews playing alongside Tiger Woods for two rounds. So that's never easy. Otherwise, the soon to be father has his nails all has been nails all season. Two wins among 10 top 20s. If you, when you break it down like that, two wins and 10 top 20s, Max Homa is having a hell of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, could the Rocket Mortgage be his third win of the year? That would be absolutely banana lands if it was. Um, but we're going to find out. Uh, number three, Tony Finau. Uh, it's a it's a, co- a coincidence that he won last week because he's fit. He's fit the archetype of what plays up at Detroit Golf Club. Ball striking at TPC Twin Cities was sublime, and he also led the field in scrambling. Uh, all good things for Tony Finau right now. The confidence is high. Do I think he deserves to be in this top five? Maybe not so much this year. But, you know, Rob Bolton's always been the kind of guy to uh, kind of go off of what happened exactly last week. So <laughs> if you won the week prior, you're probably going to be at least in the top five. You are for sure going to be the top five last, uh, if you which, won last which week. Which is going to happen. Mind-boggling to me because the only person we've seen win back-to-back this year is Scotty. Um, That's it, yeah. So, like, it doesn't happen frequently. I don't understand why you're like, all right, they're definitely going to do it. Tony Finau, yeah. who frequently finishes second, is probably going to go back-to-back. Yeah, pro- I mean, yeah, for sure. That's just going to happen because, uh, duh. <laughs> it's just, Rob makes no sense, folks. We know this. It makes sense if you don't think about it. Stop thinking about it. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, number two, Will Zalatoris. The breakthrough win eludes him, but he com- uh, competes in the deepest fields and contends often. Uh, with eight top tens in 15 starts in 2022, he wears a target every time out, too. Will Zalatoris, you got to go get yourself a win this year, man. Ten- eight top tens in 15 starts more than 50% of the time. This man finds himself in the top 10 this year. Go get yourself a win. Willie Z. Come on, man. I think he's going to do it when it matters. He's you would think, right? Cause he's been absolutely nails. It's just the wins are eluding him. If he keeps up this pace, he's going to get a late season win. The thing is he's in top 10 of FedEx cup points right now, which means he's going to get a stroke. I think it's one, I think it's one, maybe two strokes if he stays in this position for the FedEx Cup. Right. Um he he has been nails in more specifically than just golf tournaments in major tournaments. His oh, yeah. first major he played in was the Masters and he got second. He knows how to play in big moments, he knows how to show up. And I honestly would not be shocked to see him compete for the FedEx Cup this year. No, I, it would not shock me at all. I believe I think he's still in third in Fed in FedEx Cup points. I'm almost no, he's positive. in ninth right now. Oh, he's in ninth right now. Okay. Yeah, he's um, in ninth right now, but um he's right behind Hideki by about 97 points. About 90, I say about 97. Like I didn't just look at it and do the math. Uh but <laughs> just about just about 97. Just just uh, somewhere around 97, give or take one or zero. Um but yeah, I mean, one win vaults him vaults him up into into sixth place. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's he's not out. Of, he's not out of it. Not even close. Um, he's securely in the battle for the top five. And like I said, he he shows up to pretty much every major at this point. Uh, it's it's only a matter of time. And if he gets to a position where he's maybe three or four strokes behind Scotty Scheffler going into the final round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 
I don't see any reason he doesn't compete or maybe even win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% agree. This dude is going to get a win this year, and I think I completely agree with you. I think it's going to come at the most pivotal time possible. Um, number one, though, Patrick Cantlay making his tournament debut and is winless on his own ball. Remember, his last win came in a uh, in a team format. Uh, uh, hasn't won with his own ball since capturing the 2021 FedEx Cup but he's threatening with regularity since the Memorial alone. He's gone T3, T14, T13, T4, T8. Patrick Kale down the stretch is a dangerous man. We know this. We've seen it with our own eyes. He is a dangerous golfer down the stretch in any season. Um, I don't know what it is about him. He just seems to turn it on right at the time when it matters most. But man, it's something. So if, if he does get a win this week, that's huge for his late season push here. I'm uh, I'm double checking something right now. Sure. Okay. So, uh, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, um, Will doesn't have one. Matty Fitz has two, I believe. Right. Okay. So, uh, Will Zalatoris is the only person in the top ten right now who doesn't have a win. Yep. There's three people that have one win: Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Cantlay. And Patrick Cantlay is still somehow in sixth place in the FedEx Cup rankings. I mean, Justin Thomas is right behind him, and Maddie Fitz is still in 10th. But being in sixth place with one win when there's people at the top like Scotty Scheffler who has four, yeah, wild. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's just to. that's just consistency because yeah. you need to be in the top five, top 10 in order to get enough points if you're not winning because there is a steep drop off after first like the first three spots i think it is on yeah on when you win um so definitely good consistency coming from him and we saw him get the nickname patty ice last year in the fedex cup so he's cold. comfortable in that situation he's kind of in the same situation for me as will zalatoris like if he figures it out this week this might be the little spark that he needs to get his flame going and remember what it was like to win the fedex cup last year and six in in sixth place in the FedEx Cup rankings, maybe a little bit higher, depending on if he gets a win. Again, same thing. Watch out for him because he already knows how to do it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the, the dude's just flat out dangerous. Let's be honest. You know, like it's just down the stretch. Like like you said, he got the nickname Patty Ice for a reason. The dude's an absolute absolute dagger out there when he's playing on his game. So if he's able to figure it out down the stretch, uh, as far as like wins are concerned, uh-huh. if you're looking at him maybe being fourth outside of that top three because the top and three is insane. We know that. Yeah. But here's the thing is he's really not even that far off. He's at 1900 points right now. The only person who's out of the realm of catchability at this point is Scotty Scheffler. And granted Cam Smith is, is pretty far off to an extent, but one win from Patrick Cantlay maybe this week and everybody else in, in front of him, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, Xander Shoffley, Roy McIlroy, missing the cut or getting very minimal points, vaults him into second. Yeah. Vaults him into second into the FedEx Cup rankings. Then we got Honestly, something to talk from, about. Honestly, from two to ten in the FedEx Cup rankings is a, is a slugfest. It, at least it could be coming down the stretch here because – is Scotty pretty much out of reach, especially if he keeps scoring points? Yeah. In in, um, in all all reality, he's he's probably untouchable at this point. 
So two to two to ten though is not untouchable. Yeah. You get a win, you get some top ten finishes in there. You could realistically go to like fourth or third in one week, which is which is a lot when it comes to the FedEx Cup playoffs because of how stupidly they do the final round with the with the strokes and everything. Right. Um, if Scotty Scheffler is playing like he did back in February March, you're gonna need to be as close as you can get to him if you want to have a chance. You can't be in tenth starting at minus one when he's starting at minus 10 you just you can't Without afford it out you can't. you can't afford it you're not even going to come close to him at that point so um for the the guys in two to ten right now the next few weeks are about as pivotal and important as you're going to get as far as this time of the season goes absolutely um well unless you got any other golf news there rick that's going to do it for this old episode uh yeah next week uh just keep an eye out we are undecided on what's going to be happening yet because Brian will be coming back from a golf trip next week. Right. Yes. Uh, I'll be on the golf trip with the uh, hack across America guys. It's going to be super fun. Um, hopefully we can get next week's episode in and hopefully with a guest, that would be super cool. We will be talking to that guest uh, this week. So hopefully we can work that out for you folks, but definitely stay tuned. Uh, we will let you know via the Instagram, which by the way, go ahead and follow at FT uh, from the tips underscore pod. Uh, and also go follow the Twitter, which I almost got confused with our Instagram at <laughs> FTT underscore pod. Please go follow Twitter, folks. We really want to get to use it. We really want to get to, you know, interact with you guys on Twitter because Twitter can sometimes be a bit more fun than Instagram. But we got to get some followers out there, folks. So help us help you uh, and get some damn funny content on Twitter because we know that we're capable of it. So <laughs> go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we out. Thanks, guys. See you later.